it was kind of cool. Zeb and I did devotions all week together on you version. I just kind of I was going to do one, and I just sent him an invite, and he accepted. And it's like cool. It's like talking every day. So that was kind of cool. So this other young man that's up on the screen, he is 13 years old. And his name is uh, Michael Platt. He lives in, around Washington, D.C. And he has a, uh, a baking business. But he just doesn't serve up his treats to paying customers. He also serves them to the homeless and hungry in Washington, D.C. His business model is for everyone he sells, he gives one. He uh, started that when he was 11. And his little business is called Michael's Desserts. And he kind of based it off this, this other company called Tom Shoes, which does a similar thing. They sell a, they sell a pair of shoes and they give a pair of shoes. So he modeled it after that. Um, so uh, once or twice every month, Michael travels from his home in Bowie, Maryland, to Washington, D.C., so he can hand out his baked treats to kids, adults, and families in domestic violence and homeless shelters. Um, he also works with the D.C.-based nonprofit No Hungry Kid in order to distribute his, his pastries. He said, this is a quote from him when he was interviewed by the Washington Post, It's all about helping people, not just having a purpose for yourself, but thinking about how does this touch other things. I thought that was a great story this week. Michael's story is good news. Jesus' story is good news. And the gospel, which is the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus, it always results in action. Our action might be like Michael's or might be some other action. It might be actions like baby wipes. Um, the gospel changes individual lives, it changes communities, and it changes societies. All those things can be transformed. And the, But here's the thing. If we're following the gospel, if we're following this action news, we have to be committed to the action. Michael has to be committed to his action. He can't say he's going to give away one for one and then not do it. And it's the same way with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we believe it, we also have to be committed to do it. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 and in the first part of chapter 4 today. Let's go to prayer first. Lord, today, as you are going to challenge us on commitment, let us stop right now and be committed to open up our hearts and hear. so that we can see the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ and how it moves us to action. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Philippians 3, 12-14 says this. Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already achieved the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal 
the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking about here his commitment to Christ. Paul's talking about his commitment to Christ. Now, he's talking about talking about that there's this goal that he hasn't reached yet. And we actually talked about the goal last week. He mentioned it uh, just two verses back in Philippians 3, uh, 10 and 11. He says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. He stated that as his goal right before this. He says, the Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ. That's my goal. I want to know Christ and the power which takes Christ from death to life. That's the goal. He says, I want to live with resurrected Jesus. He says, I haven't gotten there yet. He wants to take hold of that resurrected life because Christ had the desire to take hold of him. He says, I want to hold on to Christ because Christ wants to hold on to me. It's like when you lean in to give somebody a hug and they're already hugging you back. John would say something similar in 1 John 4.19. We love him because he first loved us. But Paul doesn't consider that he has it yet. And we might say, of course, he hasn't died yet. He says, I want to be resurrected with Jesus Christ. If I, if I haven't died yet, how can I be resurrected? But he says, I'm trying to get it. But Paul's not trying to die. Now, he said earlier he might die. To me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says he might, but he's not looking to die. He wants to live. So what we see here is Paul is sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we tend to think, or I tend to think, of the resurrection as an instant. Jesus was dead, and then he was raised. I will die one day, and then Jesus will raise me up. And Paul is not talking about the final resurrection. He's talking about, he's picturing resurrection life as a process. I am being resurrected. John Wesley would call this, he, he's, he's actually talking about what John Wesley calls entire sanctification. And whether or not the Apostle Paul is entirely sanctified really depends on the theologian you read and their definition. Because there's even in the Wesleyan Methodist tradition, there's a few different definitions of what people call entire sanctification. Now, Paul says he's not perfect. He's saying He's not just saying he's not sinlessly perfect. He's saying, I'm not finished. I haven't reached the goal yet. There's a place I want to get that I'm not there yet. And so the Apostle Paul might say, if, if somebody were to ask him, he was in Wesleyan ordination, are you entirely sanctified? The Apostle Paul might say, no, I'm not there yet. I still have a place to go. But others might say, yes, you are, because Paul is completely committed to getting to the goal. 
He says, I'm going to forget everything that is behind in order to reach what is ahead, in order to give Jesus Christ that hug. So in that sense, he is entirely sanctified because he is fully committed. I'm going to show you a video here in just a second. Two Olympic half-pipe skiers. They were in the same Olympics in 2018. The first one you're going to see is David Wise. And the second one you're going to see is Elizabeth Sweeney. Okay, let's watch this. Defending Olympic gold medalist David Wise out of Reno, Nevada. He has fallen on his first two runs because of a malfunction on the binding. They took a heavy-duty screwdriver to it, and we will see if it pays off. If he puts a full pull together, Luke, with the tricks he has in his bag, there's no question he is one of the top in the world. Probably the top in the world. That is 100% true. The situation right now, he has not had an opportunity to garner any momentum. Needs to pull everything together and let her rip right here. Coming in backwards, this first hit. The switch, double 1080. Gets it down, gets it around. Many more doubles yet to come. There's the 12. Wise looking strong, great amplitude. Here's the tricky crash on and run one. This time puts it to his feet. The other switch double. The only guy doing both switch doubles. Down into the bottom. Does he have the double court? 1260. Yes! That's Elizabeth Sweeney, 34 year old from Hungary, 34 in the World Cup. What can she deliver on here in Pyeongchang? Is dropping in, really needing to work on that difficulty, just coming up to the top of the wall, going for these grabs, the safety grab you'll see there. You see her opting to get to the top of the half-pipe wall, trying to show the judges she has execution. You see here, not having the difficulty or the amplitude here on this run. She's not as good, has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. Grabbing the trick. You spin down at the bottom, run to the left, and then a nice cruise 360 to switch, trying to show that she has a little style down at the bottom. Would it be enough to just attempt the judges? Now, obviously, she didn't make it to the finals. How did she get into the Olympics? It says she was competing for Hungary. She's not even from Hungary. She's from the United States, but her paternal grandparents are from Hungary. And here's what she did. She competed in every World Cup halfpipe for women in order to score points. She doesn't know how to do any tricks. She just goes down the pipe and doesn't fall down. And people who are actually working to try and do tricks and stuff, if they fall down, she doesn't get last place. And so even though she cannot ski the half pipe, truly, she had enough points to be an Olympian. And she just had to find a country that had zero women half pipers, hungry, that would let her be in. See, there's, there's not that many, the, the, the 
the depth of women's who have pipe skiers is only about 28 women in the world. So she just said, I'm just not going to fall down and I get to be an Olympian. But David Wise is committed to the goal. He doesn't just want to go to the Olympics. If you just want to go to the Olympics, buy a ticket. David Wise wanted to be a gold medalist in the Olympics. That is the Apostle Paul. I want to be with Jesus Christ. I don't just want to cruise and in the end say, yeah, I didn't fall down. You know, Mercy Me has a song out, I've heard on the radio, it's called Flawless. And i got to tell you, that song is completely flawed. The chorus goes, No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is, the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is, the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. Now, I understand what they're trying to say. If I have faith in Christ, then the Father sees me in Christ. And in that sense, I'm perfect. But the fact of the matter is, I am not flawlessly perfect any more than the Apostle Paul was. And God is not calling us to be flawlessly perfect. What God calls us to be is fully committed. Elizabeth Swaney was flawless. Her run was flawless. Was it good? No. See, I'm not a perfect husband. My wife will attest to that. But I'm a fully committed one. I'm not a perfect father. My daughters will attest to that. But I'm a fully committed one. I'm not a perfect pastor. You all can affirm that. But I'm a fully committed one and I'm not a perfect follower of Christ but I'm a fully committed one the gospel requires commitment so I'm asking you today is there anyone else here who wants to say I'm fully committed to Christ. C3. Because the gospel requires commitment. Now, Paul realizes not everybody thinks that way. Verse 15 of Philippians 3. He says, Therefore let all of us who are mature think this way. If you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, 
we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. The Apostle Paul had a commitment to Christ, and the church has to have a commitment to its citizenship. Paul says, if if you're not sure that you want to be fully committed to Christ, you're not alone. Because he's writing to a church where everyone might not be at that same level of commitment yet. He says, the level of commitment of being fully committed to Christ is for the mature. He says, not everybody's mature. He says, but if a person doesn't think that following Christ requires full commitment, he says, guess what? God's going to reveal that to you in time. You'll get there. But whatever, each person should live up to whatever level of truth they've already attained. If I'm not fully committed, I should at least live up to what I am committed to. James would echo something similar in James 4.17. It's sin to know the good and yet not to do it. Live what you know. But the invitation given by the Apostle Paul to the church, and now that I give to you, is to follow the examples of others you know who have made the decision to be fully committed to Christ. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit nebulous in this because this we, we, we received a letter from somebody that we support and they asked not stuff to get posted on the Internet. All my sermons get posted on the Internet. So this person is in a foreign country and they found that um, whatever she looks at in a store, when she walks away, other people immediately come and look and they want to see what she looked at. And she's been swimming to to get in shape. And one of the things she bought were some gloves that are webbing between the fingers. Now, nobody in the country she's in wears those. But she was wearing those. And the teaching instructor saw those. And the next week, he the teaching instructor passed out webbing to all the other students. They're just copying And that's what Paul says. He says, you know what? Just, just copy somebody that is a little more mature than you. You can follow the examples of others. Because it's a sad thing that some people who claim to be followers of Christ actually live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Interesting. Not enemies of Christ, enemies of the cross of Christ. Because the cross of Christ is what made us able to follow Christ. He says, you want to love Christ, but you're against what he did. He says, while following Christ with everything I have leads to a resurrected life, 
following my own fleshly desires leads to destruction and shame. He calls it following your appetites or following your stomach. If I just follow my appetites, the things of this world, I get ruined. Certainly in this life. And perhaps in the next life, because maybe I never had real faith to begin with, if that's all I follow. Again, he's echoing the same things James would say in James 2.19. You believe that God is one? Good. Demons believe that. And at least it makes them afraid. But people today, sometimes we believe Jesus is God, and it doesn't even make us afraid let alone make us love, let alone make us committed. He says that's being an enemy of the cross. See, I have dreams and desires, and I would like things to go good for me. I would like things to go good for my family. I would like things to go good for my friends. I would like things to go good for my church. I would like things to go good for my community. I would like things to go good for my nation. I would like things to go good for my world. But my first loyalty is to my God. My citizenship is in heaven. Now the cool thing is, Revelation 11.15 says, One day the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth will be the same thing. And so I don't have to have this dual citizenship. Revelation 11.15, The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. But until that time, this earthly kingdom still belongs to Satan. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And when the devil tempted Jesus... Matthew 4, 8 and 9, he said, The devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him, I will give you all these things if you bow down and worship me. He can't give them if he doesn't own them. Where's my citizenship? Now, some of you might remember Fatu. She's since moved to Texas. But Fatu became a citizen of the United States while she was attending this church. I went, my family went to her oath, naturalization oath uh, ceremony. And I looked up kind of, you know, the oath is kind of the, the final step. There are, there's lots of things you need to do. And one of the things you have to do is take a test. I just looked up some of the test questions. Quiz time. Name your representative. Can anybody do that? What are two cabinet-level positions? Throw out one if you know one. Oh, Secretary of Treasury. Secretary of State. There's two. Pass. <laughs> There's actually a lot. 
agriculture, commerce, defense, education, energy, health and human services, homeland security, housing and urban development, interior, labor, secretary of state, transportation, treasury, veterans affairs, and the attorney general. But you got to get two. Under our Constitution, some powers belong to the states. What's one of the powers of the state? Oh, got to go back to U.S. history, <laughs> junior year, high school. The states provide schooling and education. The states provide police protection. The states provide fire and safety. The states give driver's license. The states do zoning and land use. All those powers belong to the state, not to the federal government. Two more. Name three of the 13 original states. Um, Delaware, Massachusetts, New York. New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. I can cheat. I've got them all up here. Here's a tough one. Maybe Steve will get this one. The Federalist Papers supported the passage of the U.S. Constitution. Name one of the writers of the Federalist Papers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You got all three. <laughs> That's just to get to the point where they allow you to take the oath. And then the oath says this. I hereby declare an oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. you got to leave everything behind and be committed to where you are. When a person becomes a naturalized citizen, at least of the United States, you can't maintain dual citizenship. Now, it's interesting. I, I find this funny. Every time there's a president or a law that celebrities don't like, I consistently hear somebody always says, if not multiple, I'm going to renounce my citizenship. But they never do it. Because being a star, being a celebrity in the United States, lets them fulfill all their earthly desires. So celebrities want to state sometimes their personal convictions, but they are not willing to leave everything behind to live them out. I'll just keep my citizenship and talk big.
And guess what? Even though we're far away from Hollywood, that sounds like some people who might be in church who say, who want to live like a citizen of Satan's world and yet talk about Jesus. And Jesus says, we've got to choose. The gospel reading that, that Zebulon read, read earlier, he was making people make hard choices. He said, somebody follow me. He says, well, I just want to go bury my father. He says, you got to leave that behind. There's other people that can bury the dead. That's a hard choice. Another said, I'll follow you. Just let me just, uh, and I'll even leave my stuff behind. I just want to go say goodbye first. And he says, if you go back, you're not following me. The gospel requires commitment. And here's the choice. Do I choose to live out my desires or do I desire to live? I desire to live. So I'm asking again, is there anyone else here who wants to say, I'm fully committed to Christ? Got some more. Because the gospel requires commitment. Paul goes on. He says, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then, my dearly beloved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. See, here's the best reason, or perhaps the strongest reason that's been hinted at before of why we should be fully committed to Christ is because of Jesus' commitment to the church. See, this serious level of commitment, you might say, well, that's good for the Apostle Paul. He was an apostle. Maybe it's even good for Pastor Paul. Maybe the life that Jesus offers doesn't seem more fulfilling than the life I can have by fulfilling my own desires. But one reason, one important reason to be committed to Christ is because Christ is coming. Christ is coming. And see, when Christ comes, I'm no longer just going to be striving for the goal. I reach the goal. Jesus says, you know, my body and this world, which are the causes of all my desires, which might be counter to Christ, are going to be transformed into the eternal likeness of Christ. One day I'm not going to have to struggle in my commitment because everything's going to be different. For the faithful. I said at the beginning that the expectation is not that I will be flawlessly perfect. But Paul's saying, guess what? One day you will be. 
Because Christ was not just committed enough to die for me, he's committed enough to change my world and me forever. And it's easier to stand firm when I know I can make it. That's not a couple, a picture of a couple having their wedding. That's a picture of a couple renewing their vows. They stuck together and they reached their goal. When we're young, do we plan for graduation? I hope so. Do we plan to make it to 10 years or 25 years or a 50-year anniversary? I hope you do. Do we plan for a 75th or 100th birthday? Why not? You might make it. Stephen, Wendy, you've got an anniversary coming up, right? Monday. How many years? 24. Are you planning for 25? You're supposed to be planning for something for 25. You need to plan on making it. Because Paul says, as far as this becoming like Christ, plan on making it. Sometimes we get, you know, and younger in my life I had been this way, but so I can understand it. I, I try not to be this way anymore. Um, where if I'm not sure if what I'm doing is going to be good or be perfect or be right, just freeze and don't do anything. We're going to be talking about that through the rest of the summer. It's okay to make mistakes. Because with Christ, you're going to make it if we're fully committed. Mike Warnke, the comedian, put it this way. He says, when Jesus comes back, I want to be doing something for him, even if it's messing up. Jesus is coming back. Am I planning for him? When Jesus comes back, I don't want to be on my computer or on my phone looking at pornography. I want to be loving my wife. Because Jesus is coming for me. When Jesus comes, I don't want to be just watching TV. I want to be sharing my life with someone who doesn't yet have faith. Because Jesus is coming for me and them. When Jesus comes... I don't want to just be making food for myself. I want to be making disciples because Jesus is coming for me and them. And that requires commitment. I'm going to ask you one last time. Is there anyone else here who wants to say I'm fully committed to Christ? You know, being the end of the church year, I've been thinking a lot about my personal goals and what goals we might have as a congregation. We've left some stuff behind and we're moving forward with other stuff. Before I moved here, 
I have two bass guitars up in, in my well, one on the stage, another one in my office. I had three guitars before I moved out here. One was a 12-string acoustic guitar. And I like to play that. I never was very good at it. Because here's the thing. I could spend my time practicing bass, or I could spend my time practicing guitar. There wasn't really enough time for me to do both. And at some point, I had to choose, am I a guitar player or am I a bass player? And so I gave my guitar to my friend Kevin, who is a guitar player. And I said, play guitar. I play bass. I'm committed to it. Doesn't mean I don't dabble around on the keyboard sometimes. Doesn't mean I won't occasionally pick up a guitar if I can remember a chord. But that's what I'm committed to as far as instruments. I'm a bass player. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that somehow I will reach the resurrection from among the dead. The rest is working out the specifics. <laughs> we show our commitment by going and making disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. If we're committed, we should make people who are committed. The details, we can work out the specifics. We know the goal. Are you committed to it? Let's pray. From Psalm 16, I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. The sorrows who take another God for themselves will multiply. But Lord, you are my portion, my cup of blessing, and you hold my future. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who counsels me. I will always let the Lord guide me, and I will not be shaken. For you will not abandon me to death, but reveal the path of life to me. I look forward to your presence where there is abundant joy, and at your right hand, eternal pleasures. Lord God, we look forward to the day when we achieve the goal. What an awesome day that will be. But what an awesome life we can have right now as we are being resurrected if we are fully committed to you. I pray that you will strengthen those who have raised their hand today to say, I am fully committed to reaching the goal. And that those who have not you will bring them along. Let us all be accountable to what we know. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are fully committed to us. We ask this so that we can love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. And to fulfill your great commandment to us to go and make disciples. Teach them to be committed to you as well. 
May your kingdom come. Where the kingdom of heaven becomes the kingdom of this world. And let us start in this church. We ask this in your name. Amen.